road of passion. The narrow road. This short saying Jesus recorded by Matthew reveals much about the road that Jesus wants us to walk in as his followers. And the narrow road is one of decision, one of discipline, and yet one of desire. It's the road of passion, the narrow road. What does it say in Matthew chapter 7? If you will, please turn in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. We'll start with verse 13. And today I want to challenge each and every one of you within your relationship with Jesus Christ. And today I was challenged by the Holy Spirit to bring forth this word because I think that it's very significant to our walk in Christ. Now maybe you haven't heard this before, but I believe that our life in Christ and that eternity and the kingdom rests upon the very fact that we must live our life separated and sanctified and holy for Him. Now today you have two choices. One of the choices is this. You either accept what the Word of God has to say, or two, you can reject what the Word of truth has to say. Now, For many of you in this room, maybe you haven't heard this type of message. But I believe that God laid it on my heart and that it's a very important part of our Christian life. And within our walk, we need to understand that we need to walk in His holiness. Oh, pastor, where are you getting? And what are you, what are you going to today? Well, as we read this text, I want you to take it in its literacy. I want you to understand the importance of what the Holy Scriptures have to say in the Gospels. And in Matthew chapter 7, I think it will start to challenge us right out of verse 13 when Jesus is speaking and He's challenging those that are hearing from Him. Now listen closely what it says. You can enter God's kingdom only, only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. I am reading it out of the NLT because I like the way that it broke down really what it had to say. Listen, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And in verse 14, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act. You can pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fr- or a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree, listen, it didn't say some trees, for it said every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Amen. See, told you, babies understand we have a connection. It's that kindred spirit. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Okay, thank you. Let's read that again. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, and only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And anyone who teaches or anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents 
and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, like quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Wow. We could have an altar call right now. Where are you building your life upon? Sand, bedrock, but today I hope we can all walk away and say, I'm getting challenged and I'm building my life upon Jesus Christ. It says in Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few be there that find it. The roads of passion. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first road, the Emmaus Road. What makes these roads of passion? At Easter, along the Jerusalem Road, we we learned palm leaves were laid down. We witnessed the passion of Jesus has for the lost as he purposefully set his eyes on what was ahead on the cross. Knowing that he sacrificed that the sacrifice would make it possible for man to be reconciled to God. Then three days later, not one day, not two days, but three days later, we joined two downcast disciples on the Emmaus Road and witnessed this passion for the lost, for the hurting, and for the downcast. As they continue, as Jesus comes alongside these men, he talks with them and he urges them to believe and renews their hope with the revelation of his resurrection. But it is on this road that we also catch a glimpse into Jesus' passion. These disciples had to know Christ when their countenance changes dramatically with seeing their risen Lord, not knowing who he was, but understanding who he is. They ran back to Jerusalem to share with the other disciples the wonderful news of Jesus' resurrection. Of Jesus' resurrection. So what is passion? Passion is defined in the dictionary as an intense, violent emotion or a great liking or enthusiasm. And when you have a passion for something, it's not too difficult to get excited about it. When someone gets passionate about something, they tend to get a little focused on the object of their passion and aren't easily distracted. It doesn't matter what obstacles are in the way. The passionate person does whatever they can to gain the object of their passion. Do people ask you the question, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you realize that he is king of kings and that he's Lord of lords? Do we come together as a church saying that we're passionate, that we have enthusiasm, enthusiasm about him, that no matter what, that People feel it. They sense it. It goes from our head to our toes that we exalt the name of Jesus, that he is glorified in everything we do, and that our life is reflective of his love. Not just here do we raise our hands, but in the private spaces and private places of our life. I was outside this morning. Our kids are coming over for Mother's Day a week later. See, if you're smart, you'll do what we do. You celebrate Memorial Day and Mother's Day in the weekend before, and see, it it just helps everything. But when you have a family that's my size, that's a lot of food for two weekends. Just kidding. Because they're always at the house. We're always eating together. So today they come to the house, and as I was outside and I was wiping things down for lunch... I heard this song come on because we have speakers outside, inside, everywhere. 
We just are always worshiping. We believe that worship is a very, very important part of what we go through. But who would have known that I was wiping up all the, the pollen that was on the table and kind of in clumps because, you know, it rained. A song came on and said, in this very room, there's quite enough joy for one like me. And in this very room, and it went into, there's quite enough joy for all of us. There's quite enough hope and quite enough power to change the way, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember the rest of it. <laughs> but I heard this. But Jesus, but Jesus. And I was walking into the garage and I said, and you're in this room. I got all excited. I was like, you were on the patio. You're outside. I walked in the kitchen. I heard, but Jesus, but Jesus. He's in this very room. But how do we let people know? Listen, Satan is after you to trip you up. He didn't want you here today. He did not want you at church today. But you're here for a specific reason because you are passionate about a deeper relationship with him. If I could, I'd have speakers and the neighbors would hear. Oh, they have heard. We do have speakers outside. They did ask us to turn it down once, didn't they, ushers? But here's the thing. We want the world to know we have a gospel to preach. We have a gospel to teach. We have to tell people about Jesus. And if we don't tell people about Jesus, it says no one will ever hear. We have to let them know that we're passionate about him. Listen, we will leave here today and we will already have obstacles that will face us as soon as we get in a car and flip on our iPhone or flip on our Android or flip on your flip phone. I don't know what you got. But then you're going to go blink and you look at it and you go, ugh. And you want to close it, right? You want to black it out. Because Satan wants to take away the very passion you have. He wants your light to go out. But I'm here to tell you that you are important to him. You're so important that he preaches this message of passion. That he's preaching this message and he's teaching them the importance of the narrow road. And you and I today are confronted with the narrow road. It is the road to the right and righteous life. And like the Emmaus road, it will lead us to Jesus, the one who is alive. It too is a road of passion. You see, only the passionate will enter through it. And what is the object of passion? It is life. Oh, but it's not life as most would understand it. It is not life as the world understands it. For you see, life is defined by scriptures as Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus himself say in John 10.10, follow with me. Here's what he said. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have, that they might have it. That they might have life. That they might have it more abundantly. And then it goes right into Colossians. And it says this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. It says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The thief will come. He will steal. He is there to seek, kill, and destroy you. He hates you. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he loved you so much that he died for you because he had a passion for all of humanity, for all of the world, not just some, but for all. Now it's up to you, church, to choose a righteous, right, spirit-filled life. It's up to you. Will you accept him today? And in fact, when searching out all of the occurrences where life is found, Near Christ or Jesus, there were 695 results, listen, given back. Yes, the scriptures are clear that life and Christ are one and the same. Look at what I put up here. True life equals eternal life, righteous life, powerful life, 
a vigorous life. And all that equals what? It equals Jesus Christ. That's what it equals. So those who travel on the narrow road, listen to me, are those who are passionate about Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 7, it says again, here's what it says in verses 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it by it. Then it says, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for the next few minutes. We ask that you will just continue to pour out your spirit. Oh God, help me to explain this doctrinal issue in its entirety. Father, let us be receptive to your word. Teach us the importance of walking in righteousness. Walking in the spirit. Help us, God. Let the Holy Spirit intercede on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the narrow road. The narrow road is one of decision, discipline, and desire. Now listen. A road of decision. Point number one. Enter by the narrow gate. We make decisions every day because we are creatures of variety. We choose what time we get up, what we wear, what we eat, and so on. And even what we do. But a variety of decisions beg our attention every single day. In every action of life, I love what William Barclay says, in every action of life, man is confronted with a choice. And he can never evade the choice. Man is confronted with a choice, and he can never evade the choice. Decisions and choices are not nothing new to those who follow after the ways of God. God allows us to decide what choices will be ours today. But he encourages us to choose his way. Let me give you an example. Even in Moses' life, Moses had a choice to choose life. And it says in verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Listen, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. But they still didn't listen. The children of Israel just didn't heed the call. Are you listening this morning? You have a choice. Are you listening? Then there was Joshua. Here's Joshua. He had a choice to choose this day whom he will serve. And we all know it. Everybody has it. It's, you know, Hobby Lobby. You know, they have it on signs and pictures and all kinds of stuff. That was a plug for them. Uh, they gave towards the playground, so I needed to say something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it says in Joshua chapter 25, verse 15, listen, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will what? We will... Have you? Will you serve the Lord? Have you served the Lord? Is he a part of your schedule? And then here we are. Now it's Elijah. Elijah had a choice. If God is Lord, follow him. So he says in verse 21 of Kings, 1 Kings 18, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Accountability right here in the scriptures. In our walk with God, we sometimes need to be reminded of the direction, reminded of the purpose, reminded of the passion of the walk. Because many of us often stray from the beaten path. 
that is laid before us. And within our scripture text is yet another choice waiting on our decision. And it says this, enter. Enter calls for a decision. Jesus, the one who is alive and asks us to choose the road called narrow, though we are free to choose the wide road. Though we are free to choose the wide road. Here in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, it says this. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. A daily decision. A daily decision. Too often the narrow and wide road is thought of in relating only to heaven and hell. Because one has chosen to confess and believe in Jesus. We believe we no longer have to contend with the wide road. Yet the narrow road has always been a now decision. The narrow road is a now decision. We must decide every day what road we will walk down. Not for salvation, but for daily living. Remember, it is about life, not only for the future, but for now. It is for the here and now. It says in Luke chapter 9. Verse 23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself. That's difficult. Deny yourself. You hear me say often, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. And when you pick up your cross to follow him, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you picked it up and understand the weight of what you're doing? Because narrow is the gate. Broad is the way. We have so many distractions, don't we? Man, the world can offer so much junk to put in our trunk that it will all become funk. And then before long, it'll stink like a... See, I've trained my daughter. See, I... you, good job, honey. It'll stink like a skunk. Because that's what happens in the broad road that we follow. That we're on. Number two, a reflective decision. A reflective decision. Proverbs 27, verse 19 through 20. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. So a man's heart reveals a man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The narrow road is reflected in the decisions we make. We must not separate the Christian life into the religious and secular. We must never disassociate ourselves from God to make decisions in the secular. Our decision must be impacted by the truth discovered on the narrow road. Some great truths there, huh? Our decisions are made on the basis of which gate we want to enter. What makes the wide road so wide? Because it fills up all the space not occupied by the narrow road. It is a road that you don't have to think about to be on. It is a road that leads everywhere but life. And who is life? Jesus. That's why it is the easy road. And this brings us to the next observation about the narrow road. A road of discipline. A road of discipline. Now watch this. And difficult is... The way. It is a common thing amongst all of us to look for the easy way when it comes to the things we face in life. Take school, for instance. How many of us are familiar with the question, so what do I need to pass? Or how about work? How much do I have to do to make the boss happy? Or at home, what can I get away with before he or she gets too upset with me? We're all guilty one time or another of looking for the easy way. We've all experienced times of just wanting to get by. And looking back, none of us would have taken these easy ways had we only thought about it. Just getting by is not the way of God. Just getting by is not the way of God. Because the narrow road is a road of discipline. A narrow road is a road of discipline. Now, many of us, when we, were, when we hear the word discipline, 
We are quick to acknowledge its importance outwardly, but inwardly we cringe. Discipline is always equated with hard work and doing something that we don't want to do in order to get where we want to be or have what we want to have. We always hate that. Uh, the principal wants to see you in his office. Pastor would like to talk to you. Dad wants to see you when you get home. For some of you, mom wants to talk to you later. Just kidding. We know who the authoritarian is in the house. <laughs> right on cue, honey. Right on cue. Anyhow. And then there's this mic. Keeps falling off my ear because I have such little tiny ears. We need to create something. I'm not complaining. Praise the Lord. That's right. Because I could have big ears, my wife said. Right? Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this. Do you not know that in a race... Watch this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, though I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified yet i love what paul says i myself will not be disqualified for the prize paul says we are to run in such a way as to get the prize that is eternal in nature he emphasizes to run the race run the race with certainty and focus with the prize in sight not wavering from the course with discipline that maintains the certainty and focus in the language of the bible the narrow road is the hard way the demanding way the way of self-denial and the cross it requires discipline disciplined thinking are you ever guilty of saying whatever who needs to think about it the old adage says preacher preacher make me laugh and make me cry but please don't make me think 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul was saying, now listen, the weapons we fight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing everything thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is completed, when your obedience is fulfilled. So we understand the way of self-denial on the cross, it requires disciplined thinking. And now it requires disciplined prayer. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Pray without ceasing. Pray without Stopping. Pray continually. Luke chapter 18 verse 1 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Disciplined prayer is not looking for quick fixes, but eternal differences. Let me repeat that. Disciplined prayer is not looking for quick fixes, but eternal differences. God hears your prayers. What did we say last week? God sees Jesus. But you don't understand. I can't get rid of my anger. You don't understand. I've been praying over my smoking. I can't get rid of it. Don't you understand? I've been trying to let down this pornography. Don't you understand that this food has become my God? Don't you understand that I just can't stop the confusion, the doubt, the fear, the anxiety that continues to keep encompassing me? Let me explain something. He says, broad is the way these things are going to come into your life, but narrow is the gate, and very few be there that find it. Stop Acting as if he doesn't hear you. It's called disciplined prayer. Keep praying until something happens. That's an acronym for PUSH. Pray until something happens. And then we go into disciplined study. The narrow road requires disciplined study. Two, Second Timothy chapter 2 says this, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. To God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in Psalms 119, and we say it every week, 
Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The riches of God's wisdom awaits us every day within his word. Everything in this world has two aspects. How it looks at the moment and how it looks in the time to come. The easy way may look inviting at the moment, for just a moment, for that pleasure, and the hard way daunting. The only way to get our values right is to see, not the beginning, but the end of the way. To see, to see things, not in light of time, but in light of eternity. So the narrow road is the road of discipline. And as we look at this road, we're often faced with a feeling of defeat. Here's what I mean. How many of us have tried to be disciplined and find ourselves failing? We've tried to be disciplined, but we find ourselves failing. How many of us have wanted to be disciplined, but can never seem to make it to work? And then there are those that want nothing to do at all with discipline, instead wanting the freer, funner way. People say this to me all the time. Is there a reason why your church doesn't have a band? I've said, well, I'm not real sure. All I know is that I've been doing this for 18 years and God hasn't presented me with a band. Well, let me back up. God presented us with a couple bands. That was a sad, sad situation. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, broad is the way, narrow is the gate. There's many, very few that find it. We are trying to still looking. I said, listen, we understand that. We always want to go the freer, funner way. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'm noticing in churches today, they look more like bars than they do a church. Why do we have to walk into a church that's dark? Didn't you do your hair today? I thought you were sold out, sanctified, and separated. I want to see the people today. I want to look at your faces. I want to see how the Lord is dealing with your heart. Not because I'm here to judge you, but because I'm here to see how God's moving in and through your life and to see how the Holy Spirit is moving in you to stir you up and get you excited about the kingdom. That's the relationship we have with Jesus. But see, we all have to be part of the, the freer, funner way. Friends, discipline is hard, but it's also necessary for those walking the narrow road. Yet for many of us, this discipline is a seemingly unreachable and non-sustaining task. That is why we just can't stop here. For in order for there to be discipline, in order for there to be right, in order for the right decision to enter through the narrow gate, there must be a desire. And so it leads us to a road of desire, which then leads to life. How many of you want to die today? Did you wake up today going, this is my last day, can't wait to die? Looking forward to it. Here we go. I don't think any of us were there, right? Of course not. We desire to live more than anything else. And if life is our desire, then we must walk the narrow road, for it leads to where? It leads to life. And now we've come back full circle to what I have already said about passion. Let's take a moment and look at this life that we are talking about. And it's called eternal life. There's only one road that leads to life. And here's what it says in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered and said, I am the way. You know, a lot of times I always, I, we probably expound on the truth and then we say the life. But I was thinking as I was doing this message that Jesus is the way. He's the way that leads and we grow through the truth that leads to life. But no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who gives us life. See, the world says this. That's too narrow. It is, an, it is narrow because it deals with the truth of God's word. We can widen the road by forsaking the truth, but that leads to destruction. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Here's the problem. We can widen the road by forsaking the truth, but that leads to destruction. Quit welcoming sin into your home, into your life, and into the churches. And that's what's happening today. We're just allowing everything. This past week I heard some really like wild stuff. 
But God is the God of grace. Yeah, he is. But he says this, for broad is the way and narrow is the gate and very few be there to find it. Are you seeking? Are you searching? It says this in John chapter 3, verse 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 through 14, it says this, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you, I encourage you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ appears. Eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. And then I'll finish with this. And he is also abundant life and gives and imparts life. In John 10.10 it says this. That the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. That they may have it more abundantly. Oh, okay, sorry. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Why do I act crazy up here? Because I want to show you that I have passion for him. I can't even watch my own videos. Come on now. That they might have life and have it more abundantly. It is the eternal life that impacts the abundant. And if I long for, if I have passion for eternal life, it goes without speaking that I will live like it today. The narrow road is the now. It is the now road. And thus to travel on it makes a difference in the today of our lives. John 15, 7 says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. And then he says this, I'll impart life upon you. And then he says, brothers, sisters, each and every one of you, My heart's desire in Romans, it says this, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Life imparts life. If you and I possess eternal life, it should be our desire that others might come to have life eternal and abundant. Listen to me. You're doing your children an injustice if you're telling them that they can continue to do what they're doing and yet they will have the keys to the kingdom because that's not true. If you don't turn from your wicked ways and seek my face and He said this, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal your land and you too will be saved. Listen, we have to turn from our wickedness. We have to run from it. We have to live a life that's holy. Listen, church, if we're going to be the church, then we must be reflective of who Jesus is and impart that same life on others. Listen, it's not as easy as somebody just coming up and going, Dear Jesus, I forgive. Come into me and let me have life. And live a life of hell. He said, broad is the way, narrow is the gate, and very few that find it. Seek him with your whole heart. Search him out. Understand the difference between just going through life or living your life for Christ. You know what? Satan says, we we already read in the very beginning, he comes as a thief to kill, seek, destroy, and to take away from you. Listen to this video. If this video doesn't convict you to get your heart right with God, nothing will convict you. He said, because this is Jesus was speaking. He said, there's only one way. You'll never have eternal life through anything else. And those churches and those pastors that I've stood next to who said, you can bow down to this box and it'll give you life, they're a fat liar. There is no higher power in a crate. Any more than there's more power, there's more power in a cross, not this cross, but the cross of Christ, than there is. And I understand that we have new hope for recovery here. But listen, this might make you sweat. It might make me sweat. But here's the reality. There's only one way to get through recovery. 
Only one way, and it's Jesus Christ. Listen closely. There is one small gate, and his name is Jesus. But if you go through any other gate, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You will not be saved. There is no hope for you. There is no gate except there Christ. is one small and gate, and his name is Jesus. Misforgive But if you go through any other gate, God, you cannot enter into, into the kingdom of heaven. You will not be saved. There is no hope for you. There is no gate except Christ. The last and all those who miss Christ are not only the gates, misforgiveness, misright standing. He says God. there is one gate, a devil's hell. but after that gate there is a narrow way. If I were to look at most Baptist life today, most well, of the last time you heard a sermon, were to reinterpret on this text gates, based on what I way. see in the lives of professing Christians, he says, I would have to there say there is this. one gate. The gate is narrow. But after that gate, there is a narrow way. But the way, way is broad that leads to life. If I were to look at most Baptist life today, most evangelical life, and were to reinterpret this text based on what I see in the lives of professing I Christians, I would have to say this. A person is saved the gate is narrow in Jesus Christ. But, but the most way people today are to not life. trusting in Christ. They're trusting in a decision they made a long time ago. They're trusting in the fact that they passed through My certain friend, evangelical a books is saved and said yes through to every question that was asked Christ, them. But most people today do you want to are not heaven? trusting yes. in Christ. Do you want to ask They're Jesus trusting to in a decision yes. they made Did a long time ago. Into your heart? They're trusting yes. in the fact that they passed through that is not certain evangelical folks and said it's yes not to every question that was asked them. It's not found in church history yes. at all. But do you want to go to heaven? Yes. Do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Did you ask him to come into your church? Yes. Then you're saying that is not scripture. They prove they are not. Because not although found they claim to have walked through that not one found small in church gate, history they at live all, in the but it is the way we do evangelism like today, and that is why the great majority of people in America and in the church believe themselves saved, but in fact they are not, and they prove they are not, because although they claim to have walked through that one small gate, they live in the broad but way. Today, they look like the
Hallelujah. Now, for those that are listening, I'm going to say this to you. Jesus declares that only a few will find this road. And the decision to enter in and the discipline to walk on the narrow road leads to life. And I'm closing. But it all begins with the passion, the desire for the one at the end of this road. And if you don't have the passion, if you don't have this desire, then you will always find yourself drifting onto the wider road. I'm pleading for you. I know. Man. Jesus finishes this brief teaching with telling us that few find this road. I believe that few find this road because so many are satisfied with their life in this world. They're satisfied with themselves. It's not until they become dissatisfied. It's not until they learn that they need Christ. It's not until they learn that this life in this world is nothing compared to the life found only in Christ. It's not until they realize that the life, listen, the life found in the world leads only to to death. Whereas the life found in Christ has victory over death. That the gate for the narrow road becomes more and more visible. So is it an easy gate to walk through? No. Is it an easy road to walk? No, it's not that easy. When you walk through the gate, you leave yourself at the entrance and take up your cross. When you walk down the narrow road, you surrender everything you do, everything you say, everything you want to Christ. Listen to this. But when you are passionate, it doesn't matter. It is passion for what is at the end of the road that makes this walk possible. It is passion for Christ that makes it possible. I could stop here, but then I would be about the most important part of today's sermon. When you walk the narrow road, it is a walk that you don't have to walk alone. In fact, the longer you walk the road, the more you find Jesus Christ. The more you find that Jesus Christ is walking right alongside of you. In fact, his whole desire is to walk with you. His whole desire is to walk for you. And friends, there is no better place to be. I told Becky that every day of my life I'm tempted from things that have been said to me. And so every day I have to rebuke those things. Today I was was sitting on the patio... And I was looking over the message. I was talking out loud. I looked at my wife. I said, did you hear me? She's like, what did you just say? And I was over here reading my Bible. I said, I was just talking to the Holy Spirit. And it just came out of my mouth. And I was talking out loud. I didn't th- did you think I was crazy? And I lost my breath. I lost. I couldn't almost speak to her. Because it was right then that on this road that I'm on, I knew he'll never leave me nor forsake me that he's here. But you have a choice. You either confess it before God and find the peace that comes with Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, it says, few be there that find it. Are you one of the few? Are you one of the many? Would you give your life to him today? Would you surrender your life over to him today? Oh, this just isn't another sermon. No, it's a sermon that Jesus spoke because he knew the importance of how difficult it would be to walk the broad road that we all live on in this world. But church, I have faith in you. You have the capability to put your faith and trust in God. And when you put your faith and trust in God, he will give you double for your trouble. I believe in his word. I believe in his promises. Let's rise to our feet as the praise team comes. Father God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for all the obstacles that we have in church. Father, we thank you for what you allow, but what needs to be said. So, Father, thank you for today. There might be sometimes a problem with sound, 
But God, I know that you said in your word, your word will not come back void, but it'll prosper. God, there's many in this room that think just because they said a prayer gets them to heaven. It doesn't get them to heaven. Faith without works, we're dead. We need to live a life. Lord, the doctrine says that it's more than just a prayer. We need to live more of a sanctified and holy life. The world's going to judge us on this road. We're going to meet many people traveling on this road. But God, help us to continue to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and find the narrow gate. Lord, today we, we throw it down, we lay it down, we give it to you, Lord, and we ask for life. Eternal life, life abundantly in you. Father, there's many in this room that need to give their heart and their life to you that have been struggling. God, I ask that you will will encourage them this morning. Thank you that we just stopped today to to reflect upon you and to, to really open up the word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you'll continue to pour out your spirit upon us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it today. For many of you that are in here, how many of you feel like I've been traveling the Broadway? God, help me. I need, I need to find you. I want to seek you more. Anybody here, just let me pray for you. Amen. 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 All over the place. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Listen, if you'll just give your life to him, if you'll just say, Lord, I'm going to seek your face, not your hands. I want to see. I want to please you. Not what I can get from life, but Lord, what I can give. Lord, this is, I, I know, church, that this is a message for me. And so as I pray for you, I ask that you will allow the Holy Spirit to, to start to move within your life, move within your heart. For we know that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he's the life. Father God, we thank you for those that are in this room. Father, we know that for many, they struggle. And Lord, maybe they've been flirting with sin. Maybe they've been living a life of sin. Realizing that there's more than just a prayer at an altar. There's just a prayer, Lord. Belief starts when we move when we understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. So thank you, God. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. Stir within our hearts, Lord. Motivate motivate us to impart life upon other people this week. Help us to be a light. Help us to be a candle. Help us to continue to let that light burn bright so others can see Jesus in us. So God, those who might be listening today, may, Lord, I pray that your hand will be upon them, anoint them, touch them, deliver them in the mighty name and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. God, we ask for your work to be done today. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being with us. We exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless your people. Bless those that raise their hand. Reshape them. Sharpen them. In Jesus' name, amen.